Hi, everybody. I hope this is uh, message is finding you well. Uh, I know that uh, the peaks and valleys of this journey is not always the easiest to navigate. So I'm hoping this that today's podcast is finding you in a peak and not in a valley. But if you're in a valley, I'm hoping you find some inspiration to climb to the next peak. In this podcast, I'd like to go over how to leave a narcissist or a psychopath or a sociopath, for that matter, any DSM-5. Now, let me just clarify with this preface it that technically someone is not to be deemed either anything on a DSM-5 category level unless they have been clinically diagnosed by a medical professional. I am not a medical professional but I do know what I experienced and it's very real and it probably checks off every box in all the categories. That's the funny thing in this journey. You end up becoming a uh, subject matter expert even more than those in the, that have studied it for years. Because after all, what you read, you know, you can go to school, you can go to college, you can read all day you want about this. You can take tests and write theses papers. But in this journey, what happens is you've lived it. And that is very validating. You've lived it. You've experienced it. You've seen the, the craziness and the madhouse that is, it comes with it. And more likely than not, you've experienced the mask falling. And that is probably one of the most frightening things of all is when you see the mask drop. And you see the person behind the mask. And it's really hard. It's one thing when you see the mask after three, six months of dating. It's traumatizing when you see the mask fall after years, sometimes decades, of being exposed to this. You know, you've built a life, you've had children with this person, you've purchased property, houses, vacations, you've, they've been pallbearers and family funerals of yours, vice versa. There's, you have gone through something so debilitating that for anybody, frankly, for that matter to say, you're not qualified to know what you're experiencing. I discredit that a little bit and I almost rebut it. So I want to kind of go over today how you leave one. And this probably will be a multi-segment uh, podcast that we're going to have to cover because there's really no one cookie cutter way. Not everybody's journey to leave is the same. You know, some women are, or men for that matter, some women are more financially stable to leave. Some have children, don't have children. Some have businesses or property, some don't. It's, it's not easy, but I promise you, if you follow some of the key steps, which I'd like to go over today, it would make it a lot easier for you. Now, granted, they're very hard to do. They're almost debilitating to do. These steps are very hard. They're very raw. They're very personal. And I'll go over why the, that is the case but I'm going to explain to you also the hard work now in doing it will save you 
an exponential amount of time in the long run. So first and foremost, when the mask falls, and believe me, it doesn't just like slip off, it comes crashing down. The person you're seeing behind the mask is somebody you didn't even know existed. Yeah, sure, hindsight now for me, a couple years out, my intuition knew all along, I just, the better of me didn't want to. You know, I always had my suspicions. I always would question and I'd liken it to being rocked back to sleep of my slumber of denial because you so bad want to believe the words, right? The I love yous, the have I told you lately how much I love you, the I miss you babies, you know, is there anything I could do for you today? You know, you really want to believe that. You want to believe that, you know, your children were, you know, wanted to be here for love and presence and, you know, that you bought the home and the happily ever after you signed up for the whole kit and caboodle that this person wanted what you wanted. Unfortunately, I'm here to tell you that person wanted nothing of what you wanted. The dream that you wanted or you thought you were living didn't really exist. And that's hard I know it's hard because you feel like you're crazy, but you're not crazy. But let's think about it because a lot of this of what I go back to, I blame this on Disney. You know, all of us young girls, we were raised on Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, Snow White. You know, there's always a damsel in distress and some Prince Charming comes flying out of nowhere, right? How are we single? I don't know. Like, how is this like great? guy, you know, prince of everything. How the heck is he single? And he just magically showed up on our doorsteps to, you know, heal all of our pain, kiss us away, give us happily ever after. You know, that's what happens is it's ingrained in us that this is possible at a very young, naive age. So we set out into the world thinking we're going to find that. It's going to happen to us. It's going to show up. And when that person shows up, when do we fall for it? Hook, line, and sinker. You know, it's really funny now that you think about it, and I articulate it in this way, because there was a lot of signs that said, yeah, no, run. And I was like, no, but this is mine. This is my prince. And it's like, yeah, no, run. Look at, let me just give you a little peek. There's something not right here. And you say, no, no, but look, like, yeah, oh God, I hate this feeling. I, I, I hated that feeling. I, I did. I, uh, that's for those of you who are there right now, I so get it. But what happens is when the mask falls, you see that there is no Prince Charming. It's really Darth Vader. You know, it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You got sold the wrong story. You ended up in Rocky Horror, not, you know, Little Bo Peep, whatever it is. There's some key things you need to do. First of all is you need to create as much space. And when I say space, I mean you're building a wall. You have to protect yourself. You have to shut it down. And when I say shut it down, I mean it, and this is hard, you have to stop sharing social media with that person specifically, completely that person. You have to defriend their friends and family. 
I would prefer if you shut down all social media whatsoever just for yourself and your sanity. I know a very good friend of mine who completely logged off all social media and um, she specifically told all her friends and family that she is to not want to hear anything that um, her ex was doing, saying, posting. And what happened is everybody said yes, but then one by one they'd start like, you know, tossing it out there in conversation. Well, I'm really proud of her because then she distanced herself from that friend or that family member. You know, if somebody loves you and cares about you, they don't want to see you in pain. They don't. They want to respect your boundaries because that's what a boundary is. And we're going to do a podcast on what boundaries are because I had no idea what they were until now. Um, If you request people to act or do something in a way to protect you and they don't sign up for it, then that person needs to go too because they're only prolonging the abuse and the mental anguish that you're going through. So if you are in a position, I highly encourage you to completely shut down social media. I think that probably would have helped me a little bit more while, although, you know, completely defriended and blocked everybody that we had mutually anything with, um, was what the step I took. Um, I just think that it would have been a lot more helpful if I shut it down altogether. I think that was smart of her. Now I know there's a lot of you who are going to say, but I have kids and I want to stay up to date or I have family that lives overseas or across the country, blah, 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 blah. Those are all excuses. So if you are not going to shut down and, and build that wall, that fortress, you know, you got to kind of lock it down. If you are not capable of doing that, then I highly recommend you just shut it down for, our, for, for at least three months. Ideally six, but the first three months are probably the most critical. I'd really like to say the first six are the most critical only because if you have to come up with some stability in other areas of your life, whether it's your living environment, your work environment, your children, you have legal, um, well, more than likely you have some kind of legal advice or uh, journey you're going to need to go on to if you're in divorcing them. If that's the case, then I really think that uh, the the six-month period, logging out, defriending is is really important. Now, what's funny is when my personal journey, um, he had his entire family overnight, uh, as the mess fell, defriend and block my daughter and I. Now, we had been in these people's lives for 13 years. 13 years we'd been in each other's lives. Um celebrating holidays. I mean, heck, I remember uh, when his stepfather passed away, I cooked for the entire uh, bereavement uh, services afterwards. 60 people I cooked for. He didn't even go to the funeral. He said he couldn't get off of work. But, you know, the next weekend he took two days off to go on a fishing tournament. So, but somehow that's all forgotten. So you have to realize that these people are already fed a story about you that does not paint you in a light. So what I realized afterwards, and I don't know specifically what it is, but I do believe he probably told everybody that I did to him what he did to me, which is 99% of what happens. You know, they're already plotting your, your demise all along. You know, they plant little seeds like, oh, you know, Sally did this. Sally wouldn't let me spend this money. Sally did this. She's controlling. While, while to you, you're in a happy, beautiful relationship, so you think, 
even though you know something's a little off, when they're alone with these people, they're already painting the foundation of the of the negativity qualities that you have to then justify their exit strategy when they leave, when the, when the mask falls, the tower falls, however you want to call it. And a really good friend of mine gave me some advice on this, and I'm hoping you can, you can sit with this for a second. So do you know half the population in, in this country has the IQ of a hundred That means half of that half is less than 50. So as much as I had all this anxiety about what all these people thought or said about me, because that's an ego hurt, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where you're like, well, all these people, they're believing him. I don't even know what they're saying. And how could they just defriend me and my daughter? We've done nothing wrong. We're the victims here. Just know your fall has been planned for months, years before you even knew the rug was going to fall, you before it was going to pull down from you. They've already plotted seeds so that when everything came fun at run, falling down, they went running to these folks and said, yep, this is what I predicted all along. I stayed as long as I could. Da, 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 da. That's what happens. And you have to know that if half the population is at a hundred of an IQ, do you really care what people who obtain the IQ of a hundred or less than a hundred think and care and feel about you. I know you want to sit here and argue and say, yes, I do care. Yes, it hurts because what happened is very valid and it's, you are the victim, but you're not going to be portrayed by them as the victim. They're going to be the victim. So you can't convince people. You need to save your energy. Don't post these posts. Don't you you need to don't go trying to convince people. Just know that they're going to have to see it on their own just like you did. And that is incredibly hard to do. Especially cuz instantly narcissists, psychopaths, they what do they do? They um they go running out or they already have lined up the next source of supply. We all know what supply is, right? Because you were once one or you're currently one and being degraded as one. So they go out and they go looking for supply because they can't be alone. They can't. They can't be alone. It's impossible. You got them. I bet you nine times out of 10, the way you got them, they were already getting out of a quote unquote toxic situation or they upped and left somebody because better came along, hence you. But you know the adult saying, how you get them is how you lose them, and welcome to the club. Um, it's such a process. It's so craziness. I will tell you, it's been a blessing to me that he did that, that he convinced all these people that I was the bad guy, that I was crazy, because it's it gave me space and energy to not waste convincing these folks that I wasn't. Because you're only going to get people to believe what they want to believe. You know, they're already picked his side. You are not going to be able to undo that. No matter what evidence, you could show them text messages, you can this, you you could show them everything and anything, they're not going to believe you. You are much better off focusing your energy on getting stability in your life, whether it's legal counsel, getting a better job, going back to school, 
finding and securing housing if you need it, getting your kids into some um, programs to help you know navigate that. Take your energy, your your time, and your effort. And get some stability. Find yourself a really great counselor that is experienced. Having a therapist that is experienced in um, recovering from this kind of abuse is is detrimental. Um, I know I've tried therapists for on and off for years. Um, one that just came out of school, not really any life experience. That's a hard one. Somebody who's never experienced this is hard. So to make sure, I would think one of your most critical components is to find somebody who has been through this, not studied it, has been through it. And asking them questions about themselves before you make an appointment and, you know, confiding your life into this person for help is really important. So cutting off all communication. Um... Communications, that's tough if you have children. I strongly suggest that um, everything moves to email, not even text messages. Everything is moved to email. Email is on your phone. So as much as you could sit here and say, well, text messaging is easier, phone calls, voicemails, don't do it. If you are going to need to create a paper trail and you are going to need to create some sort of um, stability. I mean, because if you think about it in email, you don't automatically see it. It doesn't pop up on your phone real quickly. You have to go look for it. So if you're sitting in a meeting at work that you need to be focused and paying attention on, and this text message pops up from your ex about, you know, picking a fight over visitation or whatever it is, that's your energy. You then get into an, an aggravated energy field. And then next thing you know, you're not doing well performing at work. It ruins your day. It ruins the meeting. Your boss is upset. You missed a deadline. There's a lot of reasons. Sometimes you need a legal paper trail about what your agreements are. Moving all communications to email is preferred um, of over text messaging, voicemail, however else, messenger, however else you go. But shutting it all down is critical. Uh, not letting a lot of people know what you're doing in your life is also critical. Finding friends who understand what you've been through, have empathy. That was very challenging for me. I was very lucky. I was blessed with two who did. Um, and I was very crushed that people who I thought were my friends didn't have it. You know, it was the quick, ah, he's gone. He was a jerk. Let it go. You know, there's those people are very hard, and you and you just gotta wish them well in their journey. And you know, several of them, I said, you know what, I'm very grateful that you don't understand what I've been through because that means you haven't experienced the trauma that I have been through. So you wish them well on their journey too, and then you real, realize real quick who your friends are. Who I mean, not even some of your family gets it. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, your family doesn't even get it. Um. You know, it's hard because they they live a dual life, you know, most of them do. They're Prince Charming and husband, father of the year on the outside, in the outside world. Everybody thinks he's the great guy. Everybody goes to him. He's fun to be around, Great tells great jokes. But when you live with them, there's a different person that you live with. And the minute that 
people leave or you come home from something, you realize that that's not the person that everybody else saw. And I know this because my daughter saw it. You know, she never left. She lived here with us. So, you know, it's funny because one time I was saying something to somebody about it and uh, they said, well, I just don't understand. You know, he was such a great guy. Oh my God, everybody loved him. And across the room, we had about maybe 15 people. My daughter chimed up and she goes, try living with him because that's not the man we lived with. And that was very awakening to see that my daughter picked up on that at a very young age. I mean, here's a girl at the time, maybe 17, 18 years old. And for her to sit there and speak up and then finally confide in me that night that she saw how I was treated and it used to hurt her heart. She'd go along with it. You know what I mean? Because she had hope too. But here's a man that had been in her life since the age of six, since six years old. And to find out that she saw it all along, that I was her mother was not being treated in the way that she deserved. That inspired me to then focus on me and my daughter. Because you know history repeats itself. And I'll be <laughs> I'll be hell-bent that my daughter goes through it too. As mothers, which many of you may be. You don't want this cycle to keep going on. You've probably had this cycle in your family for years. An aunt, a grandparent, it's out there. But I've that when she made that comment, it came very relevant to me that the cycle stopped here. And for the cycle to stop here and stop with you, whether you have a son or a daughter, because Men, boys can grow up to be in these kind of relationships just as much. Um, you need to shut it down. You need to shut it completely down. You need to purge the toxicity in, in because that's what it is. You know, it, if if you had an intruder trying to break into your home, would you open the door and make them lunch? No, you wouldn't. Would you lock the doors, close the blinds, I don't know, load your gun and protect yourself? Yes, you would. So any con contact um, that isn't essential um, needs to stop. The more you entertain it, the more you allow it, the more your head and energy is just getting sucked back into it. Because you know what it also creates? It creates hope. Because one day you get the great you know, text message or the great whatever voicemail of like, can we just talk? Can we just this? I don't understand where it all went wrong, but you know, like your intuition knows what went wrong. You've already seen the mask fall. You have to kind of come to the point where if you're not entertaining the crazy, you ain't living in crazy. It's really hard to do. I get it. But I will proudly say in two and a half years, I have not stalked looked, peaked, questioned, asked anybody else to what my ex is up to. I have no idea. I don't know where he lives. I don't know where he works anymore. I don't even know. Heck, I don't even know if he's alive anymore. I know nothing. 
And you know what? I found a lot of peace in doing that. I know absolutely nothing about the existence, whereabouts of my ex who was in my life for 13 years. It's like kind of like he's dead to me. I mean, I only talk about it now to help you, um, but it's 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 my past. I've let it go. Um, he's he's not part of my future, so I'm not bringing him with me there. You have to kind of get to a point of that. Now, I know it's not easy for those of you who have children with with these people. That that can't happen. You have to co-parent to some extent, so it may not apply there. But it applies in the fact that you know you're not you're not involved, you're not involved in what they're doing in their everyday life, and that's possible. You can co-parent and not be involved in what they're doing in their everyday life. There's no need. The focus is on the kids. It's not on them or what they're doing or what you're doing. You need to focus on you and your kids and the stability that you need to set in your life. Not who they're dating, not where they're living, not what their job is, not how much they're making, not what they just bought. Who cares? That has to stay in the past where it belongs. It's not part of your future and it will only upset you. It will only drain your energy and it will only prolong your healing. So the minute you get to this place where you're done being on the crazy train, you need to shut it all down. Tell folks, again, you don't want to hear, you don't want to know, you don't want to see anything. It's done. Um, You know, if your kids want to come home and talk about their time with dad, you know, (laughs) what they did. You make sure your kids are focusing on their experience, not what dad's doing or what dad bought or what dad's doing. It's more of how did your kids feel? Were they happy? Did they have fun? Did they learn something? Focus on you and your children if you have them and bettering yourself. Less focus on something that doesn't really belong in your life or is worthy or deserves you. I hope this this podcast helps and um, I'll see you on the next one. Be safe, be well.